Welcome to Real Estate with Reshma in Canada with your host, Reshma Sheikh, your mortgage agent, with a mission to help you retire with at least $100,000 of passive income. Each episode features candid conversations with industry experts and real estate investors, revealing the financial strategies that have set them apart and how they are achieving their retirement goals. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, Rishal. Welcome to my podcast. And uh, how are you today? I'm good. It's a great day. Yeah. I always want to talk with people, you know, about real estate. Yes. So Rishal is actually a real estate investor and has had a roller coaster journey in the past few years. Currently, she's actively looking to flip properties. And uh, Rishal, how did you buy your first property? So um, I bought my first property several years ago around like around 2020, 2021, you know, in the height of real estate a couple of years ago, I thought, oh, this is a perfect time for me to buy, right? <laughs> but I was, um, I was actually reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Have you, have you read that one? Have you yeah, read it's the like a Bible for yes. real estate investors, right? I actually read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was around 17, 18 years old. Oh, this no is back in India. And um, I didn't understand what asset and liabilities mm-hmm. because uh, in India, like it just didn't work. That book doesn't work in India. It definitely works in Canada and States. So they, like, again, it's not geographically neutral, but uh, I've read it. And- <laughs> so like, I think there was, there was a passage in the book where Robert buys this condo for some, for like 50 K. Right. And in the, in the, and in the story, there's um there's a guy who goes, oh, you can't buy something for 50K now and then rent it out and make a profit and sell it. He's like, well, you can, but you just haven't figured out how to do it yet, right? So that got me thinking, I'm like, can, like, can I buy a house in Ontario at the height of the pandemic for 50K? And Rashma, all I did was Google. I Googled houses for 50K in Ontario. And a, actually a bunch of places came up, right? And I was shocked. I was like, okay. So one town called Manitouage, it kept on coming up and so i i went on like realtor.ca and i was looking i was like oh my gosh there's houses for around like 50k 60k 70k so there's only like one realtor in the town so i called her and i said is this for real like are all the the homes this cheap and she's like yeah you can buy a house cheaper than buying um a truck and then she she boldly asked me she's like are you gonna come up and see property and i thought oh i'm like okay maybe right maybe i'll go up and see she goes, yeah, give me a couple of days. Let me know if you're going to come. I'll put up some properties for you to see and we'll go from there. And I thought, okay, how do I get up to this place? Manitouage is like 12 hours north. Okay. Like Ooh. it's far. It's far. That's why it was, it was yeah. cheap. And you live in Hamilton. And I live in Hamilton. It's yeah. still in Ontario, right? It's still in Ontario, which I love. I remember one friend said, like, you can drive for 24 hours and still be in Ontario. And I'm like, yeah, you can. Because <laughs> I show 12 hours north. And so I took like my mother and my cousin and my niece, like almost like a family road trip to kind of like, let's get out, let's see what we can do. But it was still the pandemic, right? So like traveling was still like, we couldn't do a lot of travel. So we had to drive up there. And then I literally like, we got up there like after two days of driving, but we started looking at different properties, right? So she was showing us properties. I was like, okay, these are all like, you know, 60K, one was like 50. And I was like shocked. I was like, how is this even possible, right? Like, how are these homes so cheap? And then I, uh, like, after we saw a bunch, there was one that I kind of really liked, but I didn't want to influence, like, my, like, my family's decision, kind of, you know, like, they're, like, my other eyes and ears, right? Because I can, 
I can see a property and see the future. And they look at a property and be like, whoa, whoa, like there's a lot of stuff that you need to do and certain things. And then uh, there is one I thought, okay, there's one that I liked. I called it like the old, old lady house because an old lady used to live there. And so the whole family is like, yeah, okay. Like, I think this is the one you need to do some work to it, but whatever. And I thought, okay, I can now because of the pandemic, I, I could live re remotely. And I thought, okay, I could live up there. Right. Like, like, why not for like 50, let's try. Right. Yeah. So, so you bought it for 50 K. I wonder yeah. how much the old lady bought it for like $1. <laughs> Maybe honestly, but you'll, you'll, you're going to die. Okay. So like. <laughs> I started going through the process. I was like, okay, I want to put an offer on this house. And she goes, okay, it's been on the market for a while. She goes, I know it's on the house for like 50K. She goes, let's be bold. Let's go mm -hmm. in with an offer at 35K. And I thought, a house? Sure, I have that, right? <laughs> I like that money. Because I was playing cash, right? And so, of course, she goes, there's another person who's also looking at this property. And I'm like, of course, like, out of all the properties there, I have to get in the one bidding war with this mm -hmm. one house, right? And uh, she's like, I need your final and best offer. Like, this guy's coming in. And this was a, this was a foreclosure as is where is by the bank. So the bank had taken this back. So I was dealing with the bank, not like the old lady, right? So she was like, okay, you need to understand that when you're dealing with a bank, there's certain, like, they want the best offer, right? They want all the best stuff and they're not going to allow you to do kind of things that other clients would allow you to do, right? Like, like, okay. so I had to, so, I had to be aware of some of those like cautious going in. How much mortgage she had to go into a foreclosure? And, uh, I think she did a HELOC or something and then uh, couldn't pay it back. And then that's why the bank took the, the house back. Oh, I think okay. that's how it worked, right? You know those reverse mortgages for, for oh, like yeah. how elderly take? Mm -hmm. And then they realize they can't pay it back, so the bank the bank took it back. So I think it must have been around that 30K, 40K on the house, maybe. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. Maybe it's hit up usually for reverse mortgages. Like, uh, you don't have to pay it at all. Uh, like Gotcha. Maybe, like, it is a HELOC. But uh, it's it's really sad, right? At that yeah. age, and she's very old, and she's retired, and uh, she went through foreclosure. It's really sad. Uh, that's why you need to plan for retirement so early on. Yes. I'm in my 20s, and then I'm, I'm already, like, started planning my retirement, my mom's retirement, everything. Yeah. So at the end, I got the house for 42K cash, right? I, cl I could close quickly because I'm like, whatever I'm just gonna kind of let it right full cash right <laughs> and then uh and then I was kind of like okay let's just I was gonna work on it though in, in like six months because I bought it I saw it in November of 2020 closed in December of 2020 and then I luckily was able to find like a property manager who could just watch it over the winter so that I could kind of start renovations in the spring because I knew like the the roof need to get fixed like there's a bunch of stuff that needed to happen right for it to kind of be livable or habitable so you bought a foreclosure property right yeah so yeah. your experience like uh, when uh, as a buyer like uh, you need to buy in as is various condition right yeah so did you put any conditions like when you made an offer like financing condition or conditional inspection things like I that did, i did one for i think i, I did do a house in, like um i did do a home inspe inspection but it's like, it's not the stuff that you, like nothing 
came out of the that I wouldn't have known, right? Like the roof or the windows, like it was kind of like, yeah, these are things that you need to think about, right? But it was only it was until um my property manager asked if I wanted to rent it because there were people looking for a house where then we started to find some of the stuff that uh, the home inspector didn't find. So for example, the plumbing, because it was so cold up there and they told me that the house was winterized, it wasn't winterized. So all the pipes had burst. They had all like, there were holes in every single pipe. So when they went, they went in to kind of just replace like the toilets and stuff, Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, the water isn't running, like something is wrong. So they had to replace all of like the plumbing in the house, which was an expense I wasn't ready for, right? So mm-hmm. that was something I had to to prep for, to be like, okay, let's, you know, when you, when you think like it has to be now or never, like it has to be now. Like if people are going to go live in this house, I need to, to do that. And then the furnace was going on and off, like it wasn't really working the best and so I was trying to get it just fixed right like can I just get this fixed for the winter and there was a couple moments where like the amount of money I spent on trying to fix the furnace I should have just bought a new furnace right because of the amount of like going back and forth that somebody had to go and fix and like in um and repair so those were the two things where like buying as is where is even with the home inspection you don't know until you kind of like have to live in it or have to put somebody into it so So that was something I had to learn how much usually if you were to get a new furnace how much would you would it have costed you i think i spent close to like $3000 fixing this furnace and in the end i had to replace it i spent around 7 so in total i spent $10000 on like a furnace when i could have spent like you know just the the 6 so how uh, is it a single family like how many bedrooms like yeah so it's a bungalow single family three bedrooms two bath it's around <laughs> thousand square square feet mm-hmm. there's also a very large detached garage and it actually um, backs onto the golf course in the town so there's like nobody behind me in terms of neighbors and you can have like a nice like walking path through through them through like the trails and stuff so it's a really nice like location and nice property like everyone was saying like this is kind of the places to buy in that little town like this is a nice little strip So when you spoke with this uh, HVAC technician to replace the furnace uh, was there any other solutions like baseboard heaters maybe uh, or maybe like yeah it you know what's weird what i learned is up there because it's so cold they don't have the type of heating we do so i had an oil furnace which i never like i never knew anything about right so they were saying like uh, like um gas won't be up there for another couple years. So like what we know down here, like, you know, our furnaces and all of that um, infrastructure, it's not up there. So it's okay. either oil furnace or propane furnaces or wood furnaces. Mm. So I was like, I'm like, for me, I'm like wood. I'm like, I have no idea how to even like do, like how do you even get that? And then propane, I think they're like, I was moving. So the new furnace I have is propane, but the oil I like, I didn't realize how much that costs. Like. Yeah, in terms of getting that, you know, so banks, just to maintain that. Yeah, banks, I think they don't, uh, not a lot of banks lend on no. oil purposes. No, they don't. This is why, like, I, I was lucky I bought cash. So when I was doing the refine, I was like, no, 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 it's, it's a propane furnace now. It's completely new. And they're like, okay. <laughs> like, all this stuff that they were worried about, I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's okay now. And, you know, the, my house is close to, like, the... The fire station, like you, you're always making sure, like it, it qualifies at all the insurance. <laughs> but, 
so yeah, those are the kind of things like learning about that, like oil, oil furnaces, propane furnaces. We don't yeah. have that, right? So you have to set up the service for them to go and fill every yeah. so often, right? And uh, how much did it cost for the plumbing? I'm assuming it's like a very old. I think the plumbing was around 2000 I think, total. Because it it's a bungalow, right? So they could just feed through. Like it was only through certain areas. But it was still like $2,000 that I wasn't ready to, to spend. And you know, because it's so far, you just have to trust your property. Like these people you've, you've never met to work on your house. So there were moments where I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what are these extra expenses that you're 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 doing? And he's like, he's trying to tell me. It's like it's minus thirty outside. Like I need another like helping hand to help me through some of this stuff. And I was like, okay, like you know, so sometimes you have to bite the bullet. So these are like one-time expenses, right? Like, yeah. did you have any issues after that? No, I did not. Okay, thank goodness. But then yeah. what happened is they had to rip apart the ensuite bathroom, mm -hmm. and they we just had to leave it like in disarray. <laughs> For, while these tenants were in there and be like you just can't go there because I there's no way that I'm gonna like replace everything in time for you to move in mm -hmm. so that was like something where I'm like god this like you know you don't want to be that that type of um landlord that doesn't provide like the best service but you're like I, I was like I didn't know what was gonna happen so I'm like ah oh, you can't use this one bathroom until I uh, actually renovate it that's amazing yeah. so did you do a burr on the property so my plan was to uh, first i wanted to live in it and then uh, when you realize how far it is i'm like i just i'm not this like small town person like i don't think i'll i'll survive up here so then i actually tried to sell it several times this year and last year like i tried to put it on the market and it just wasn't moving right i put it on the market right as the interest rates were rising and i got like nothing right and then and then i tried to sell again this year but it wasn't moving. So then I had to put tenants in and then I had to make a decision. I was like, okay, let's try and fix it up because I like, I wanted to fix to flip. But then now I was like, okay, I need options because my, I wanted to sell because I wanted to take that the money and just start reinvesting it. Right. So, yeah. so that I think one of my brokers or, or mortgage brokers was like, well, what if you just like pull, like pull the money, like do a burr, like pull the money and then see how much you can get. And then you, now you can move your money around. So, I made that decision, I think late last year, like I was trying to put a tenant in and then I was like, okay, how I was trying to figure out what was, what was going to come first, like the, the refinance or putting a tenant in or selling. Like I was trying to find out all three options. Mm -hmm. Selling wasn't going to be an option. So I was trying to find a tenant. And then finally, like the, I refinanced for, I was able to refinance last year. So here are my numbers. So I, I, I paid 42 K for this house. Mm -hmm. I put another 40, 40k in renovations total with all of the stuff that I ended up doing and it refied at 160 right yeah. I know it refied <laughs> at 160 so I pulled out I pulled it all out right I was like yeah just like let's pull it all out and because at the time I thought I would be able to to sell I, I'm on like the variable mortgage so like this one this my rates are like the highest rates but I'm like it's manageable because my my refinance is only like you know 130k you know when you think about the numbers so you actually pulled out additional fifty thousand dollars from uh yeah property so if i pulled somebody... out all of it i, I made yeah. a profit of like close to what like 50k of like me yeah. pulling out stuff yeah 
so if someone doesn't know what bird strategy is it's basically buy renovate refinance rent and repeat yeah so usually uh you when you are when you're buying a property you buy a rundown property or some a property which is little distressed or something uh where we can add some value to the property and uh you renovate it you put uh 30 to 100 grand of uh, uh renovation money into it and uh you you have to there's something called after repair value and based on that uh, you can refinance the property and pull your uh, down payment and uh, also re- renovation money and maybe make some profit like Richelle did right yeah, <laughs> yeah. for me it was worried the when we were doing the the refinance we were worried about it appraising where it needed to be because if you think about last year like the appraisal started were starting to come down because nobody was buying but luckily it appraised a little bit 10 grand higher than i thought it was because we tried oh. to put on the market for 150 and it wasn't moving but it refinanced at 160 so it was like okay okay so then i was like okay this is kind of it's good for me to kind of know my numbers mm-hmm. and so with that i i've now so with that money i've i've put it into um a development deal out east like out in nova scotia so that that'll come back in like maybe three years in terms because it's like a condo and then now i'm trying to use the other part to do private lending to see how that kind of works in that world so you bought a pre-construction yes no, yeah yeah well it's pre it's pre pre because they're actually trying to to make sure it's spa approval for condos so oh. it's like it's even before right like when you think of here and like in the gta it's like you can't even get in at that level like you're getting in at pre i'm at the ground ground level where now we're trying to like prepare the land so that we can sell to a developer and then it goes through that so Oh, so you invested yeah. in a land? Yes, yeah. Invested in a project, not even pre-con. You invested in like a development project. Exactly. How are you getting on that? That one, I think, if it's at the lowest level, I'll just double what I invested in. At the highest level, I'll get close to maybe three times, right? So it just depends on how much the land value will increase, or how much like we can put on on the land in terms of like condos and all that stuff, right? So, so that one's kind of just like every, you know, everyone gets nervous with these type of deals. Like everyone loses money and I'm like, but if you do your homework, right, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be losing anything, right? You should actually be winning in the end. So that's, that's one of the deals where I'm like, pardon? What homework did you do? So this one, it was like, so I made sure that the, who, who was selling it to me, I was like, okay, I'm like, I wanted to see it, like, show me the land. Like I did, I looked at all of his paperwork. Then I had my friend who's a lawyer be like, okay, like, tell me what I need to ask this person in terms of returns or structure and all that stuff. And then finally I asked, I was like, how much money do you have in the deal? And then he told me how much he and his partners and everyone else has. And I'm like, okay, like if you're putting your money where your mouth is, then it's like, you want to also get your money back. Like he's not putting money in just to like lose it or take it, right? Like he's actually in it. So, so that was something I was like, okay. If you have skin in the game, then there's actually a reason why you're moving in this direction. So are you an equity partner or are you just a private lender in that? This one is equity. This was equity. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That's why you're getting like two to three times uh, returns on that, right? Yes. And, wow. So I know. Uh, see. go back to your first property and how much did you rent it for? So right now, so... Uh, the first time I rented it out, I was renting, I think, out at around $800 because that was the market rate about like two to three years ago. 
but they they have such a need for housing. So then I had to rent it out again. And I was around 1200 to 1300, right? Cause now I had a mortgage on it. Right. So I needed to make sure I was making my margins, but yeah. I still wasn't, I still wasn't clearing it. Mm-hmm. And then just recently I've put in somebody who's now paying 1700 in it. And now I'm actually cash flowing. Yeah. Yeah. How much because <laughs> cash flow now is around close to 300 to 400 now for cash flow. So now I was, so as I was learning, I was doing my math in terms of like, well, how much do I want to make, right? What's reasonable enough to make? And then, uh, you know, when you think about it, like people need housing. Like I forget, like you always forget, right? As an investor, like people actually just want rental property. They actually, sometimes they don't want to buy homes. And so when I put it up for, for rent, you know, some people were trying to get it cheaper. Some people were trying to ask for lower and I'm like, you don't want to be mean, but you're like, I, I don't, I don't need a house. Like I'm not looking for, for rentals. They are. Mm-hmm. And then I found, I found two, two tenants who are like, yeah, okay. We like, we love the house. We want to like rent it. And, you know, I did a lot of checks and balances because they're two guys. So I'm just like, oh, you don't, I don't know if they're going to like trash my house, but they went through all like my checks and balances. They kept asking, you know, can we, when can we move in? And I thought, okay, this is, this is good. Okay. And, this- yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And, uh, so, are you doing uh, your uh, private lending? Are you a private lender now as well? I'm going to close on a deal later this month in terms okay. of private lending. So, I think there's three. There's I'm with two other private lenders who are pooling our money to private lend to a developer, and you know they're just working through all the details now in terms of how to close, who's like which lawyers and all that stuff. So. That's exciting, but I tried to do it. Before. This is the second time I've tried to private lend. So the first deal, the numbers didn't work out, right? So the the house that they were going to put up for collateral as an asset, if they were to default on the private uh, on the private mortgage, the second private mortgage, their house didn't appraise as high as it would. Mm-hmm. So like my coach is like, we're going to walk away. He's like, you're not going to get your money back if we if we try and sell all of this because the bank's going to take their money first. He's like, there's no money left for you. We're gonna walk away, and so now there's this other deal that you know I'm trying to trying to work on to make sure like all the numbers work. So so it's interesting being on the other side, right? Of being like, oh, I don't ha- I don't have to give my money away. <laughs> make up the rules, right? <laughs> yeah. So a little bit of backstory: me and Rachel actually met at a networking event, and uh, on the same day, I actually got my mortgage license, and that was like day one when I met her, and after. Two days, she gave me a, she sent me a message saying that, hey, Reshma, like I have uh, this much funds in my RRSP and TFSA. I want to do private lending. Like, can you help me? Then I'm like, dude, like I'm like, it's been two days since I'm an <laughs> But uh, you know what? I'll connect you with someone who is very expert in that and um, who's also a real estate investor. And uh, I did an introduction with uh, Sai and uh, Rishel actually ended up getting co- getting uh, coached by him now, and he he is her mentor, and uh, he's also helping her to uh, helping her with uh, private lending uh, with um, your RRSP, right? This one is just cash. Uh, just cash. Our, this is cash. I'm trying to figure out how to do uh, next level. Is if once I do this, is to, to do the TFSAs and RF, RSPs. He said yeah. it's, it's a little bit more there's there's a little bit more steps that you need to do mm-hmm. in terms of do that when it's just not like full-on cash that you're sending out again yeah. a few days ago you reached out to me asking hey <laughs> exactly 
I have money in my career. connection. That's why I keep asking for help. Yeah. You keep leading me in the right direction. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, she asked me, like, I have money in my TFSA and RSP. Like, what do I do now? So then I sent you an email, like, yeah. uh, at my brokerage, I have a partner and uh, he's an expert at this. And then he gave me the steps. This is what she needs yes. to do. Once she goes through Olympia, uh, make sure, like, we all connect and, uh, and like we'll take it from there now so that's uh like in a nutshell that's the process like i i uh like we sent you the steps as well but mm -hmm. uh that's exciting so uh the private lending you're doing right now with your cash like mm -hmm. uh is it gonna be on first position i think it's gonna be second position i'm gonna it i have 12 percent on it mm -hmm. um it's going to be for one year and then it's uh, monthly. The monthly interest is coming. So I like that idea of just cash coming in every month. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I've, I've heard with some private lending, they do it quarterly or they do it yearly. And I'm like, no, I want it you know, like every month. month. Yeah. 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 So you're getting 12% returns on that? Yeah. <laughs> Same. Uh, but uh, you might, might be getting some lender fees as well, right? On top of that 12%. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. They're still trying to um, iron out all of that stuff in terms of like those fees. So, you know, it's my first one. So I have to see how this kind of yeah, goes, so right? Usually like even if your interest rate is 12% and uh, there is usually 1% to 2% of lender fees. So your APR... APR is like a annual percentage return or something. So you end up making uh, anywhere from uh, 14 to 15%, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. for this deal. Uh, even if the interest rate is like 12%, like by the end of the year, like your returns is anywhere from 14 to 15%, yeah. depending on the lender fee. So that's actually a very nice returns. Like you can't see like anywhere else, especially yes. because you have collateral, like you have property as collateral. And exactly. The more riskier it is, the returns are way more higher because mm -hmm. you're in second position. I'm sure like it's 80% loan to value and uh, there is appraisal, like there is equity in the property. Yes. So based on the risk level, that interest rate is determined and lender fees is... So lender fees is actually determined based on the timeline. If the timeline is like, oh, we need funds in 24 to 48 hours, then we, we're going to give you like it's going to be like 4% lender fee or like right. lender fee. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you're not on timeline, you're like, oh, mm -hmm. I have like one month of time, then uh, you can negotiate on that lender fee, uh, especially a borrower can negotiate on that lender fee, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on that risk level. But um, yeah, that's good stuff. So what are you, <laughs> what are you doing now? Like, uh, where are you headed now? Okay. So now I'm, um, uh, I'm learning to do uh, flips because I think like, I just want to test everything. Right. So I've done the, I've done the buy, buy low, haven't sold it, but buy low, I've done the burr, I've done development deal, community, private lending. Next is like, Oh, let's try and do like flips. Right. And do like wholesaling stuff. So I'm trying, I know. Right. I want to, I want to learn it all so I can pick and choose which area I actually want to move into. So right now I'm looking at trying to find the distressed properties and then mm -hmm. just flipping it to investors. Cause yeah. um, I, I, I like now I want to reduce as much risk as I can. And this one seems kind of like the, the easiest way where you're kind of flipping, flipping paper. So I'm on that track to kind of see how I can do it and trying to, you know, talk to other like 
developers and contractors and stuff who who are in the game who want to do the the next level right who want to carry it through right so, so am i your investor list like am i going to get the deal when you find something nice yes yes <laughs> everyone you know what i love when i tell people this they're just like send it to me first i'm like 100% <laughs> send it to you first yeah. yeah everyone tells me this like send it to me first before you send it to your list i'm like yep 100% i will like how fast can you close that's how quickly i'm going to send you my, my property <laughs> no it's weird when you find like your passion in life and you're like wow i never thought real estate was what's going to be it but it's actually it's a fun industry to be in like it's actually really exciting when you start to learn more and meet more people like there's so much there's so much to this industry right yeah and uh, so what, why are you doing real estate like what's the end goal for you in this i think well cuz i only started a couple of years ago right but i've seen the gains that i've made in mm-hmm. in it so for me it's like okay let's keep moving in this direction because this is where i can make the most wealth probably more quicker than in my industry like you know we've all been working 9 to 5 jobs and putting money away and doing all the things you think you're going to do and you're still like i still don't have enough <laughs> right it's still not enough but here in real estate you're like oh you can just kind of like it it goes it can go quicker faster if you do if you do the right steps right and if you know what you're what you're looking for so that's why i've kind of slowly moved into into this field right and I'm, <laughs> so you're trying to build wealth like that's definitely like understandable. Is it for your retirement and your family is this the goal yeah definitely i think mostly for retirement but i think honestly like our retirement will look different from what we thought it was going to be right so it's kind of it's kind of going to be like how can you just live worry free right and know that you have you have some sort of like safety net. So, you know, you see, I see my parents now and it's like, okay, they're, you know, they're doing their thing, but it, you can tell now it's like, it's still not enough, right? They're heavily budgeting and, oh. you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's still I, like, they're lucky, like they don't have a mortgage and stuff, right? So they're, they're safe, but you just know, like, it's, it's all going to eventually run out because they've just kind of saved for a certain chunk of time, right? Where if like, for me, it's like, okay, like if I if I want to be aggressive and retire in like ten years, like I don't want to wait, you know, fifteen or twenty. What yeah. do I need to do now so I can reach that goal sooner, right? As opposed to waiting fifteen or twenty five years. Like I, for me, it's like the risk of waiting longer to retire. It's like, but then you're not doing the stuff you want to do now when you're like healthy and you're young, right? So that's kind of where I've started to flip some of my my thinking. Okay, so you want to retire, like at least have a retirement plan or like some sort of funds coming, passive income coming in, ten years from now. So what? Yeah. Does, what that number looks like? Is it hundred k per annum, two hundred k per annum? What does that number look like for you? I think I wanted to do fifteen k a month passive. So what's that? One eighty. One eighty, yeah, probably. Yeah. I think that's around one eighty, right? Just passively. So right now I'm trying to work towards that just to see what that feels like, right? Like, is this possible? Like, where are the different areas coming from with that? So that's why I'm looking at more the private lending because that's truly passive income yeah. that is coming in and that is really, really risk free, right? In terms of if you do your if you do your research, right? So I'm trying to build that nest egg more with the flips. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Like uh, the suggestion I give 
I can give you is uh, your self-directed RRSPs and TFSAs. If you're going to do that private lending, don't take the interest out. Let it compound over the next gotcha. year. It's going to be like uh, 10 years from now, you'll see like half a million or like 1 million easily if you let it compound. And the returns on ha uh, half a million is like, uh, even if you're going like conservatively 10%, $100,000. Yes, I know, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is it 100? Or oh, sorry, 50,000. $50,000, yeah. $50,000. Yeah, yeah. uh, uh, like you get returns anywhere from uh, 12 to 20% in private lending, right? Uh, you yes. could make it 100K passive income. So if you yes. let it compound over the next 10 years, it's not that difficult to reach that. And uh, you should get uh, anywhere like 80K if you get from private lending, rest of the 100K if you can buy rental properties and uh, get rental income from that. Mm -hmm. And also you need to make sure that uh, those are mortgage free too right yes <laughs> yes and uh, also like diversification right diversification is like important like uh so we'll talk someday uh, yeah. and we'll do another podcast where Rashma takes me through all my uh my portfolios <laughs> so yeah. how to maximize each one but yeah, no it's it's yeah, kind of fun it's it's fun like l learning about these different things because you know historically you just put it in the bank and you hope that the returns yeah. come but when you know that you can do better like why not just do better right or just try or just try honestly it's just for me it's like let's just try right there's nothing there should be no risk in trying to to make 12 or 15 percent right and then if it works then you can keep like you said just keep building on it like don't don't take it out i think that's the hardest thing with private lending is like don't touch the money <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, like, uh, don't touch it. If you have your RSPs and TFSs in private lending, like uh, it's very easier not to touch that, right? Like yes. uh, you can just uh, have that uh, tax-free compounding over the time. So that again, like even your interest is not taxed. Like when if you're doing cash private lending, you're still paying taxes on your interest on, right? Mm -hmm. So you're better mm -hmm. off for doing that RSPs and TFSs and uh, don't have to worry about taxes, let it compound. And, uh, it's it's not that hard to make that property mortgage free right? over the next yes. 10 years. So let's say 10 years from now, you if your rental income is $2,000, and uh, your per annum is like uh, what two thousand per month into twelve. It's like twenty four thousand dollars. Yeah. So passive. that's another passive income, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have like uh, four or five properties like that, which gives you, it doesn't have to be four or five properties. If you buy one solid multifamily, like a fourplex, or like even uh, two duplexes, which gives you like seventy grand or like eighty grand of rental income you're like you'll get there like it's just yeah. it takes a lot more planning and a lot more hard work in the beginning right when you're investing honestly investing is a skill like you have to yes. develop. Yeah. it's not like uh especially like if you're investing in real estate like uh i feel like you there is a lot more leverage not just in terms of money but also in terms of people like you can leverage other people's expert right yes. you can have certain people on your power team like mortgage agent or like realtor contractor lawyers like all these people who comes with their expertise they're going to give you advice or they're going to help you take mm -hmm. to that next level even real estate coach right yeah so i find that uh, very interesting in real estate
Yes. It's a very much, a, it's a, um, it's a team game. People don't realize like they only think you're, there's, you only see like the one investor, but it's actually like, it's a, it's a massive team that you're working with to make the decisions, right? Because nobody wants to lose money. So everyone's making sure their the risk is mitigated to a point where you actually are going to come out at the end with a win. Yeah, but my advice is like, don't get in the analysis paralysis. Like eventually you have to make a, a decision and just kind of go with it. It's like, go with it and live with it and just kind of see. Because if you know yourself well enough, you'll figure out, you know, either if it wasn't a right move, how to make it a right move, or if it is a right move, how to do it again, right? Or to do it better. So but I always was just like, don't get caught up just analyzing numbers for a, for a year. Like you gotta, <laughs> yeah. you gotta pick one. Like, go for it. There's like so much to talk with you, Rachel. We have to bring you on again, like one year from now and two years from now and see. Like, oh, yeah, that would be cool. I would like, I would like that. What, yeah, what I've done in a year. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Where you are at your journey and then looking back, oh, we, we, you were talking about that. Like, it would be so when I wanted this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very nice having you on my podcast. Thank you for having me too. Well, if someone wants to get in touch with you, like how can they reach out to you? Um, I think uh, the best way is on my social media. So my Instagram is r sibilboro. Is that probably the (laughs) yeah? (laughs) So r s i b o l b o r o. You can reach out there, and then uh, your email. Yeah. Email, so it's my first name, Rochelle, R-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, and then period, my last name, Sybil Borough, so S-I-B-O-L-B-O-R-O, at gmail.com. Yeah, I'll put those in the show notes as well. If yes. to talk with Rochelle. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Real Estate with Reshma in Canada. If you are looking to purchase a home and wondering what you are qualifying for, you have a mortgage renewal coming up and you're looking for a second opinion. Maybe you are planning to do a refinance to pull out equity to buy another investment property. If you want to finance your flip project, we would love to help you fund, experience our complimentary budget planning and tailored solutions. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing.